Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash I am divine 2022. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today. With Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join in the discussion, email us at the Yoga Hour at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, here's your host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, our time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien, and today we're going to be looking at the topic of speaking the truth and the healing power of poetry, exploring a little bit what that has to do with yoga as a an ancient system, a philosophy and practice for spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in the world today. And I think we're going to touch on that strand of truth and how it is we discover what the truth is, how, how we learn to focus our mind, how we learn to become more aware, and the role of, uh, of reading and writing um, that is there for us on the spiritual path. Yoga itself, of course, is a path, as I mentioned, of spiritually conscious living. And it refers to waking up, becoming aware of the truth of what we are, um, knowing that we are spiritual beings, and then living in harmony um, with that spiritual nature. Our topic today is Speaking Truth, the Healing Power of Poetry. And at the core of yoga, we we have this heart is, is living a conscious life, being aware of who we are, the truth of our being, and then living truthfully. And so we're going to look at the healing power of poetry, how poetry speaks a truth, and speaking the truth can heal us. So whether we write poetry for ourselves or t- to share with others or we're in the process of creating poetry, it allows us to examine and express our own feelings. Uh, Feelings, our own awareness, our own unique life. We can see who we are more clearly and bring meaning to our experiences, our joy, our sorrow, our fears, our grief, our hopes. And today we're going to be exploring how writing poetry can help heal body, mind, and spirit. And we have the best person ever with us for that exploration. And that is John Fox, um, a certified poetry therapist. He's a poet and author of two marvelous books, Poetic Medicine, The Healing Art of Poem Making and Finding What You Didn't Lose, Expressing Your Truth and Creativity Through Poem Making. John teaches regularly at the uh, collegiate and postgraduate level as an adjunct faculty member of California Institute of Integral Studies, uh, Sophia University and Holy Names University in Oakland. He taught for 20 years as adjunct at JFK University, first through the Graduate School of Professional Psychology and then since uh, in the Arts and Consciousness uh, Department. And uh, I, I've had the blessing of, of knowing John for many years and, and having this connection um, that we both practice Kriya Yoga and we also write poems and believe in the power of writing and reading uh, to uh, transform our lives. So welcome, John. I'm so delighted that you're here on the Yoga Hour today. Hi, Ellen. Thanks for, thanks for inviting me to be on. I appreciate it, and it's good to 
hear you and good to speak with you. Thank you. And we'll um, begin with a short meditation and then we'll, we'll dive into exploring the healing power of reading and writing poetry. Let us just take a moment to center our awareness, to relax, to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite. Right where we are, just become aware of the breath. That's the easiest way. Just tune into your breathing and let your breathing be an anchor that brings you into this present moment. Being awake, aware, noticing the feeling of the breath, letting the body relax. And with each breath in, you can feel or intend that you are diving within, diving within to the infinite ocean of divine consciousness, to that unbounded spiritual reality, that which you are, the life of your life, the breath of your breath, the heart of your heart. And with each breath out, just let go of any Tension. And with each breath now expand your awareness to know that as we touch the heart of what we are, we touch the heart of all. There's one life, one power, one presence in which we live and move and have our being and that is the life of all. So as we meditate, as we pause for a conscious moment like this, we become aware that God is our life. That reality called by many names is the life of all. So we are connected. And so we are blessed. Let us take this awareness of our own wholeness and the holiness of all beings, of all things, of all creation. Let us take that awareness with us now into this conversation, being aware of how we can lift up our connection to ourselves, to one another, to all things, and truly know this life we live is holy sacred. Once again, I want to welcome uh, John Fox uh, to the Yoga Hour and take this moment to congratulate you, John, on the 20th anniversary of the publication of your marvelous book, Poetic Medicine, The Healing Art of Poem Making. And... um, I, I'm, I'm totally honored to be included in that book. And, you know, I remember well when it came out. And of course, you and I were reminiscing a few minutes ago about, you know, how did we meet? And, and, and we certainly met, um, connected to the publication of this book, which now has gone on, um, through 20 years to touch so many lives and to help people awaken, um, to the truth, to help people heal past their grief, to help them find um more about uh living fully and uh so it's quite an accomplishment and I, I bow to you it's a beautiful book um so let's just start with with your life of poetry and I know you're uh a wonderful poet yourself as well as uh supporting others in finding their their inner poet and uh, supporting the poets around you but you know when did you start to write poetry and and what made you want to begin yeah um 
You know, the, the roots are, are deep. Um, be, probably before poetry, Ellen, um, I remember in second grade, I had a teacher, Miss Watkins, and she would um, take the back page of Life magazine and put it on a piece of, large piece of cardboard. And the back page of Life magazine in 1962 was, um, when I was in second grade, was always some unusual photograph, sort of an odd, something was different. It wasn't just a normal photograph of a place or people. And, and she would invite us to write a story about that. And so I remember that I just loved the chance to, to create, to imagine something, to create something. And mm-hmm. even writing with that big number, what is it, number two purple pencil mm-hmm. and Mm-hmm. On the green paper with the lines, you know, the sort of because we're learning cursive still then. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, making making a story was like a, a joy. And then in fifth grade, I decided to create this little newspaper um, called I called it because I was in fifth grade and James Bond was the rage in 1967. I called the 005 Press. <laughs> it wasn't 007, but I could be the 005. And we had stories and, you know jokes and sports and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so this is getting to the sort of crux of your question, is the first poem I remember writing was, um, I was at Thornton Park, the skating rink in Shaker Heights, and I remember there was a girl out on the ice skating. She was the only one out on the ice in this little chocolate brown ice skating outfit. And I remember staying outside the rink and wanting to, I started writing a poem about mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah, that mm, kind of is better than my words. Um, <laughs> so, what was it? You know, what was it that I wanted to get this this experience on paper? And I don't have that poem any, unfortunately, any longer. But, but the, but the, I, but it has never left my awareness that that was. Mm. You know, and I haven't turned back since. So, I, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of other things we'll talk about that play into this but certainly and i think that was um you know i mean i was a 12 year old 13 year old kid boy and, mm. and you know for me it was uh, something about her skating so yeah. so that was um and, and things just have you know that was a seed and it grew have grown since then and you know it's so beautiful john to hear you talk about how this um, impulse really begins in childhood. And, um, you know, and I certainly remember writing poetry as a child. And um, now that I think of it, you know, I, I remember the poems of my own children, you know, which I saved. And, you know, I remember one that I still have in my son's handwriting um, that he wrote and he about being able to fly around the school, you know, uh. um, just wanting to be able to be free. And, you know, he, he was probably, you know, eight years old at the time. And, um, and, and so, and I see, you know, now my, my granddaughter is writing poetry. And, um, so there is that urge, you know, to put into words, um, some, uh, aspect of what we're experiencing, you know, that we, and poetry is a way of, of talking about things that, you know, we, that we can't quite put in a box, you know, we can't quite, um, do that. And so, of course, it has then this, this, um, healing power that's connected to it. Yeah. So, um, would you talk a little bit about how, um, poetry can be healing then, um, this urge to articulate, to see, to work through what we're seeing and feeling. Um, and how, how can writing poetry be healing? I mean, that's what your work is all about. So um, tell us about that. Well, you know, I think I want to um, sort of root it in my own experience before I even began to think about how I could do this with others. I had to learn how to, or I had to discover that I needed it for myself. And so, you know, um, it was more than interest, Ellen. It was like just a des. It was actually desperation um, that I needed to find a way to give voice to something that was happening for me. And that was growing up. I had um, severe medical problems or physical problems my right leg, and ended up being in the hospital many times and having seven surgeries. Um, and so writing and being able to speak somewhat, to speak about what seemed unspeakable, 
um, was uh, I was broken open into that, like I had to have it. And of course, my experience with many, many other people is they are also broken open, and that poetry has got the capacity to. And well, this is what we'll talk about: has capacity to hold paradox. Um, help us, help me, let's say, to stay with um, a painful something that's painful or it's something mm-hmm. that's difficult to express. Um, I remember, um, I've told you this story, but um, I had the good fortune to spend time with Ram Dass back shortly after, because my, my leg was amputated at the age of 18. And so I went back to where I was going to school at Boston University, and um, I was faced with having to go out without my leg, my prosthetic leg, because there was an injury on the stump. So I remember walking with Ramdas on crutches, and I was really feeling desperate. And he he looked at me and he said, um, "You you you couldn't you can't get a, you couldn't get away if you tried." And I, I had to, so writing poems and at that time helped me to sort of realize that I I might not be able to get away, but I could actually meet it, and I could find a language for that and gradually things were revealed of how I could um, even begin to accept it. And so uh, that's um, sort of my sort of experience of being sort of having to dive into this deep place where poetry could be healing. And when I when we say the word healing, it's so ubiquitous, this word healing. And, and I know that we also mean to be able to speak the truth to be able to um, sort of share with myself, at least with myself, and then in the course of time with others, what that truth was, which, which indeed sort of helps one to feel more whole. So that's what healing is about. In your book, I'm really grateful that you included um, three of my poems, and one of them um, called Burying the Gold, of course, which you're very familiar with. It's a long poem, so I'm not going to read it, but it was really about my experience as an adult, you know, going back and, you know, reclaiming myself, you know, reclaiming my energy, reclaiming my voice, and it's a story about a little girl who buries the gold, which is really burying, you know, the the self and the voice and what is most precious and um, coming to a point in life of, of knowing that and finding it again. Um, so will you uh, uh, share a, a poem uh, with us about healing? Yes. Um, and thank you for sh- sharing that story about burying the gold, because I think that's what pe- people do, but it's also an act of protection to bury the gold and to, <laughs> it's, it's, it's precious. It's valuable. So, so I think it's, there's some wisdom and, and um, there is wisdom in pr- protecting it and then r- maybe bringing it out again. So here's a poem. Just recently I was uh, traveling and a chi- I was with a group with a group of children at fifth grade class and there was a, a child and um, she was very brash in the class and very wanting to share and then um, it was wonderful. And then after um, that she came up to me much more subdued and she had her purple notebook with her and she opened it up and in this very clean print there was a poem that she written and the more I she wanted me to read it and I started to read it and it was clear that someone had died and so I said I said to this child I said someone has died who who has died and she said my brother mm-hmm. and then then she um so I read that poem and I, I sort of gave her the sense of appreciation for telling her truth and then she gave me this poem and I'm going to read it. Um, I, so she's 11. I love him because he is him. I miss him because I love him. I hate him because he left. I will make him proud. Dim memories float in my head. I see him there and then he's not. He comes in dreams to me, hugging me again. Dim memories float in my head. It is like you're still here, standing over me, saying that's right and that's not. You give me hope and light, your light dimmer the day we all cried. But it will still shine on the ones, but it will still shine on in the ones who love you. Rocks sit in the bay, one floats slowly away, the rest are torn apart, for they lost the one holding them close. Blue and pink hearts float in my mind, reminding me of the time I wouldn't share. 
the time I hugged you, and the time I started to cry. All I can do now is miss you and let the people that didn't know get as close as they can. <laughs> what I can't sort of describe in this interview so well is that just the, 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 the sort of look on her, on her so young, fragile, gentle face, you know, that she was proud of something or that, what is the word, that she was, you know, glad to have something that spoke what was so heartbreaking to her, to her. <sighs> and, and to have someone, this is important, Ellen, to have someone who could receive it. Yes, absolutely. And to find a way to to speak. And so it's amazing, isn't it, how eloquent mm-hmm. tru- truth is. You know, mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. we know, what we experience, what we feel. Um, that's a beautiful poem. And thank you for bringing that poem um, of a young girl, 11 years old, um, offering that truth of her experience about something so deep, the loss uh, of her, of her brother. Um, I'm, just before the break here, I'm, I'm going to share one of my poems that you included in, uh, your book, Poetic Medicine. And, uh, this is about loving someone and, you know, needing to let go of trying to control their life. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, and, It's called Sometimes at Night. Sometimes at night, a light shines here in the middle of my chest. Sometimes at night, a light shines here in the middle of my chest, and I see you. Mm. Innocence is your face. Everything you have ever done washes up on this shore of love. You walk through it all. Breathe in the salt air, step across the tangled kelp, enter another life. So we're going to take a break, and when we come back, more about the healing power of poetry as a way of speaking the truth, moving through our deep experiences in life. You're listening to The Yoga Hour with special guest John Fox, who is a certified poetry therapist, a poet, and author of the book Poetic Medicine, The Healing Art of Poem Making. And you can find out more about John and the work of the Institute for Poetic Medicine at uh, the website poeticmedicine.org and we'll be right back with you. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach to the world, we count on the support of listeners like you. Please make your donation today. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. What if you could experience vibrant health? Help heal the planet and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. You know the saying, a good deed is its own reward? Well, moving toward a plant-based diet and vegan lifestyle is one kind and compassionate act that isn't just its own reward. It will also reward you with vibrant health, 
boundless energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, and according to Yogi's and Unity's co-founder Charles Fillmore, even give a boost to your spiritual life. On Main Street Vegan, the radio program named for the popular book, Victoria Moran will make your move in a vegan direction easy, fun, affordable, and delicious. With enticing topics and entertaining guests every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to The Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour, our time for opening our heart and mind to the infinite. And um, today's guest is John Fox, who um, is the uh, founder and director of the uh, Institute for Poetic Medicine. He's a, a poet and author himself. You can find out more about poetic medicine at poeticmedicine.org. Oregon. Um, before the break, uh, John, you, you, you offered a beautiful poem by an 11 year old girl who had experienced the death of her brother and her writing about that. Um, that was so powerful. Is there anything else that you want to tell but, us about that? It just briefly, I mean, what she d- discovers, and I think that this comes with us naturally, is like a metaphor in the poem that rocks sit in the bay, one floats slowly away. The rest are torn apart for they lost the one holding them close. I mean, that metaphor of rocks in the bay, that image of having rocks in the bay, is so, it's such a way of holding in place um, what is very, very difficult to, to, to stay with, such a feeling of grief. Um, also, there's paradox in the poem because she says, I miss him because I love him. Next line, I hate him because he left. So to be able to tell the truth of that this love and hate and the poem allows the allows without having to sort of figure it out allows the paradox to be held. And That's you know, I mean. I'm I, I'm I'm very grateful for you and your work and the work of the institute. And you know, because I I, I have felt um, that this this path of yoga. Um, you know, it is about finding out the spiritual truth of what we are and then living it and finding ways to live in the fullness of our human experience. You know, um, and at first I was confused, you know, I thought maybe it was about transcending our experience and not having to, you know, feel so much and so deeply. But, of course, I've discovered that... um you know, when we awaken to the truth, uh, we can speak our truth and we can live it without having to um, get lost in it, you know. And I think uh, poetry is a way of helping us have that larger uh, container. Yeah. So it actually has a, a very, I mean, has for me played a very strong role in my, in my life, in my, in my life on the path of yoga. Really not that yoga necessarily teaches that, but it teaches us um, to be awake and to be conscious and to be able to, um, um, you know, mine the the truth of our experience and to continue to grow uh, in in awareness. And as Paramahansa Yogananda said, you know, this side oh. of the transcendental field is ever new joy. So, so in a way, poetry is about that. You know, finding uh, at the core of life, you know, what is most alive in us. Um, and so, you know, we both had that blessing of uh, being poets and uh, and uh, in engaging in the path of uh, actually Kriya Yoga as our particular path of yoga. Um, and, and do you find the disciplines to be complementary? Yes. Um, I mean, of course, for me, I mean, that was sort of Ramdas back back in that time when I was walking on Beacon Street with him. Uh, he also told me in no uncertain way to uh, read Autobiography of a Yogi. And so yes. so I did, and it has changed my life. Um so it's definitely been a part of this practice. And I, to get sort of in particulars, like as a poetry therapist or as a person even write, who are writing poems, it's like I need to concentrate on details. And so concentration in yoga would be called dharana. And 
you know, it, so it is definitely, and then just be able to listen to people and, and their poems and without evaluation, without judgment, um, because concentration really doesn't really afford me much room for evaluation. I, I need, I mean, there's times when evaluation can be useful, but often it's just paying really close to deep attention to mm. what is and to, 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 sort of get a sense for the beauty that can be there. Mm. Even if it's raw, um, that there's there's something about a person coming forward and speaking their truth that and if I my concentration and that concentration is if it's centered in my heart can make a, can make a difference in that for the mm. capacity for that person to feel heard. Absolutely, and yoga teaches us about the power of truth, and um, in the beautiful preface to your book, uh, Dr. Rachel Naomi Remen writes, poetry is simply speaking truth. Each of us has a truth as unique as our own fingerprints. Without knowing that truth, without speaking it aloud, we cannot know who we are and that we are already whole. Mm-hmm. Which is, is really a key, isn't it? Um, one of the best kept secrets in this technically oriented culture is that simply speaking truth heals. And um, so, John, tell us a little bit about your your work um, with the Institute of Poetic Medicine that you you founded. Um, uh, you know, certainly, sure. I know it's centered on this: people speaking the truth and discovering their wholeness, which is also, of course, what yoga is about. I, yeah, I think that um, the Institute for Poetic Medicine is really an expression of my karma yoga, my service. Um, I mean, I've been doing this work for 30-plus years, if not more. Um, uh, and then um, 11 years ago, I decided that there's something that we, we could do to serve other people if I were to form this nonprofit called the Institute for Poetic Medicine. So since that time... We've done many things. I have a training program in poetic medicine, but we've we funded projects around the country. For instance, there's a wonderful woman up in C- Seattle, just north of Seattle in Tukwila, working at Foster High School. In one classroom, there's immigrants and refugees from like 13 to 17 different countries. So for seven years, eight years now, actually, we funded Myrna and Hecht to bring, to bring poetry to those refugees and those immigrants, and give them a way of expressing their voice. And particularly right now in this, you know, climate that we have where immigrants and refugees are, um, you know, targeted, um, it's mm-hmm. really important that this work is happening. But we've also funded projects of people um, living with addiction, um, people with traumatic brain injury. Um, uh, I have a there's a man working up in northeastern Colorado working with prisoners, men in a, a maximum security prison, and mm. helping them to find a voice. So I, I'm really happy about and proud of this, this work mm. that sort of is fortunately, um, you know, beyond me. And mm. yet... <laughs> Yeah, but it has come. It has come from you, and um, I, I, I'm aware of the deep presence that you bring uh, to people in, in understanding how poetry can be a vehicle for yeah. um, for healing and also for um, discovering our deep connection with the the oneness of of life um, and helping people open to their spirituality um, wherever they are um, do you have do you have a poem handy you could share with us about um, you know how how poetry can help us discover um, that essence of our being um, our connection to all of life oh boy um, yeah um, so this is a poem, Ellen, that um, that I wrote, uh, you know, what, 30 years ago, um, and it's called When Jewels Sing. Oh, that's one of my favorites. <laughs> I'm glad you're going to offer it. I love that one. So, When Jewels Sing. Radiance results from Earth's pressure, life working on us with each moment's precision into a clear-cut uniqueness a community of precious human beings with origins primitive and wild as diamonds, faceted by skilled and invisible hands that turn us upon a wheel dusted with God's bright, dark silence. 
we become men and women joined to walk swarthy, holy, original, and transparent. Catching the first light of day upon ourselves, our voices sing of truth and loveliness in response to vows first sung to us by stars. That's really a beautiful poem. I'm, we have a moment to do this, so I'm going to ask you if you would please read it again. Sure. It's called When Jewels Sing. I, I believe this is like, you know, thinking of the um, sort of the Buddhist, like Indra's net. There's like a, a jewel at each nexus of where the net is. And um, I think that was one of the catalysts for this poem. Um, radiance results from earth's pressure, life working on us with each moment's precision into a clear-cut uniqueness, a community of precious human beings with origins primitive and wild as diamonds, faceted by skilled and invisible hands that turn us upon a wheel dusted with God's bright, dark silence. We become men and women joined to walk swarthy, holy, original and transparent. Catching first light of day upon ourselves, our voices sing of truth and loveliness in response to vows first sung to us by stars. It's a beautiful, beautiful poem of the deep connection that we can discover and that really it, yoga tells us, you know, the teachings of yoga say it is our certain destiny to discover that deep truth of our being. Um, thank you for bringing that, that poem forth. And, you know, I love the way it, it talks about the kind of the, the intent of life, you know, to, to bring forth that that light and uh, and for me you know one of the things i hear in it is that that pressure <laughs> the pressure that creates radiance um and in a sense for me that's the 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 pressures of life experiences if we choose to enter them consciously can be mm. a way of purification um you know, er, 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 earlier we were speaking about that like why, why is it healing and the word that came to my mind is why poetry can make a difference um, because it can help with integration, like mm-hmm. there's a, there's a few things involved. There's like the there's the first impulse to make a poem. Maybe one line comes to you, or maybe I'm just broken open because I've lost someone who's dear to me, and I'm 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 just in grief. But I I find a line that I can start with, and then <clears throat> I can write that down. I can write more down. Maybe it doesn't come right away, <clears throat> and then the next piece, and this is where I think the the practice of poetry therapy can come in or poetry as healer. Um, someone can, you can share that out loud. You can mm-hmm. read it and your, your voice, your breath, your body all have to be kind of, you have to bring yourself to it. Maybe you bring it first gingerly, but then at some point, maybe you can stand up and say, this is my poem. And that, that somatic experience, Ellen also helps with that process of integration where, mm-hmm. Something um, which you felt cut off from actually make like it's unburying the gold is part mm-hmm. of the process of integration. And you know, often then the discovery um, of something um, that we didn't know before, you know, something or, or and there's um you know a healing that that comes in that. So you know, I find in writing poetry that. Um, there's always uh, kind of a surprise in there, <laughs> uh, in, in the way in which the poem itself um, wants to turn, um, and it reveals, you know, something, you know, inside of me um, that is that, I, you know, I, perhaps when I began, I wasn't fully conscious of. Um, you know, there was an impulse, as you say, but then as you work yep. with the impulse, it, it's like something that, you know, rises then to the surface that can be expressed. Um, so often I think people do discover something um, when they're, when they're writing a poem yep. and, and, and I'm sure you have many examples of people doing that. Um, 
writing and then discovering something unexpected. Um, do you, you want to share something with us about sure. that? Sure. I mean, in the first page of Poetic Medicine, I think the third paragraph um, of the first chapter, I write about surprise as being incredibly, I want to choose my word, as being essential to um, the healing experience of using poetry. It's like being surprised by what you didn't know that you knew. Um, mm. So here's a poem. Um, I'll set this up a little bit by saying this is in a class many, many years ago at the Graduate School of Psychology. A man was reading a poem, and he was crying. He, it was just a grief poem, and he was, he was sobbing. And someone got up, you know, as kind people do, and they brought him a box of Kleenex. And he, Jody, motioned it away. And he didn't want the Kleenex box. And then he continued, and it came to a, a natural close, and another person was sharing their poem. And, but I noticed Jody had started to write at this moment. And then... I didn't say, Jody, this is class. What are you doing writing? And he, <laughs> I just, he, he was writing. Then after a little while, and maybe another two people, he, ra- he, he raised his hand and said, I want to tell you why I didn't want the Kleenex. And so this is what he shared with us, exactly what the poem he wrote at that time. <clears throat> so it definitely has a surprise. Do not wipe your tears away. Let them flow down your cheek. Let them create a stream on your face to allow the healing waters to flow. Let the waters cleanse your skin and wash your face with silk. Let them caress you lightly and reveal to you your heart. Let the water fall to the earth and a tree will grow from it. Let your tears flow from their depths and they will release the seeds of your soul. Do not be careful Do not be contained or proper or polite. Do not wipe your tears away. Taste them on your lips and know that you have graced yourself today. Mm. Jody, Mm. thank you, Rick. Beautiful. Really beautiful. And um, so uh, expansive. To, you just you just feel the the sense of mm, I'm going to be present with this. I'm going to be present with it, and I I love the image of you know a tree will grow. <laughs> this is, right. and, so, and mm-hmm. he uses the word um, like, sometimes as a practice. Like he uses the word let let them flow, let them let the waters let, and that's that beautiful, incredible word let. So the poem, you know, he doesn't have to explain. He just he just uses that word. And then later, um, you know, he uses these forceful words, do not, do not mm. be contained, do not. You know, he's like, so it's that let is like this softening, it's this a sort of receptive opening, and then that do not is like he's, he's um, you know, he's in a way taking a stand for his own heart. Mm. And, and yet, you know, then that last, second to last line, taste them. Like that to actually know that you know you have allowed yourself to feel, and the discovery of um, and that's what I mean about poetry, and, and in a sense, poetry as spiritual practice oh. can. I mean, it doesn't always, but it can allow us to occupy a larger space. In other words, a space of awareness that allows emotion to be present, allows us to learn from it, allows us to be connected to it. You know, um, and, and I think I've mentioned this on the program before, but, you know, one of the um, pieces that was so important to me in my spiritual journey was uh, the work done by um, the East-West psychologist John Wellwood and... Uh-huh. Um, you know, he's, he's a Buddhist and his practice a meditator. And in early on, you know, he, he was the one I think credited with coining the phrase of spiritual bypass, <laughs> meaning, right, right, meaning right. that, you know, many who come onto the, the spiritual path are looking, uh, are, are trying to bypass their experience. And, um, that, that does not lead to full awareness um what we what we really want to do on a spiritual path is learn how to consciously occupy uh you know the the higher true self um right. and and make room you know for our experiences and and uh and learn 
from them. Um, I thought I would offer a poem from my, from my new book of poems. It's called The Moon Reminded Me. That's, that's just out now if you're listening. Congratulations on that, by the way. Thank you. And thank you for your kind words and, uh, of, uh, about the book. And, uh, yeah, so it, it, it's just out. This is March uh, 2017. And, and this particular poem is about, um, kind of looking into the heart of relationship where, um, you know, sometimes we feel that, you know, someone belongs to us <laughs> in a, mm. you know, in, in a relationship. And, and so this is kind of looking into the core of what that experience is, you know, being mm. with someone for many years and feeling that closeness and, and then really, you know, looking into the, the real truth of, um, that it's just really an idea, you know, about someone or anything actually belonging to us. So this is called Maitri, um, which is a Sanskrit word that means friendship or love or benevolence or loving kindness. Mm. It happened like this. Two geese flew across the sky. Their bodies nested in flight like a married couple familiar in their bed of years. Their calls a conversation. Something ancient woke me to a dream of you. I thought you are mine as much as I am my own, which is not at all. Yet we fly together, heading toward home, sometimes without a thought, just the sky. And the longing that carries us allows me to imagine we. Mm. So sometimes, you know, in my poems, uh, I'm looking at those experiences that I have, how I, you know, imagine them to be, how I experience them, and then, you know, what is at the, what is the deeper truth at the, at the heart of it that there's this great expanse, this freedom um, that yeah. we are since not who we think we are and, uh, you know, from the ego level and nor are our relationships. But yet there is this uh, connection that we have, this longing and the beautiful blessing of having companions uh, along the way. So... Um, you know, we just have a few minutes left in our program today, and and so I want to ask you to speak to um, the poetic urge <laughs> with our listeners. Um, what advice would you give to someone who would like to begin expressing their experience through poetry, or those who those who are writing? Um, you know, how do you support people in moving through any obstacle they may have to having this as a as a practice? Yeah, I, I think one of the most important things is for us to begin to trust ourselves more and more. Um, and so, in sort of meeting people, I, I sort of come, I not sort of, I come with this sense that we have this capacity to be creative in us and but it has to be nurtured it has to be um sort of carefully carefully cared for at least you know when you're growing a tree sometimes you put a wire fence around that tree and and provide a safe space for it so um i would say uh, to someone Go to a place where you feel deeply, if you have a place, to feel deeply safe. And just take a, a notebook, take a pad of paper, and just see, see, see what comes. I mean, one of the thing, important things about my work is that it's not about evaluation or like, is you know, this a poem that is worthy? Um, everybody, everybody's voice matters. That's my sense of things. And, and so how to communicate that in this interview to somebody who's listening that your voice that your voice matters and you can you can begin um, maybe you wrote something back when you were a child and you can like you said you had you still had your you know your children's poems um, and that you could remember your own poems so I would encourage people to try to get in a, a sense of when they felt that they had um, uh, a connection with that that creative spark 
um, to read some poems. Get some poems by Mary Oliver or William Stafford or Ellen Grace O'Brien um, and, you know, find a line that just speaks to you and then begin begin your poem with that line. You can steal it. Can, can someone steal your, a line from your poem, Ellen, and begin their poem? Is that okay? Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Absolutely. And so, it's a wonderful it, practice. You, know, do, you want to do what works. Um, one of the things that I do is I just have a bowl of words, and like they're just in a basket or a bowl, just individual words, maybe some phrases, and people can pick them out and then make make their poem from those words. They can add words. They can change them. So that's bringing in a sense of playfulness, which is so important. We haven't talked about it in this discussion, but the act of, of being playful, being finding that sense of um, freedom that comes from that we, we knew of play as children. Mm. That's a beautiful, beautiful advice and beautiful support in terms of of beginning and continuing a practice. I think um, one of the things I would add to that is that for me, I find if there's um, no space for poetry in my life, um, then I lose touch with myself. I, I lose touch with my heart. And I think, you know, that's kind of reflected in our culture today um, that, you know, people have become so busy and so, um, you know, tuned into technology and the anxiety and stress of um, politics and um and you know what's heard on the news and so forth that it's easy to lose touch with your heart and that and for me losing touch with my heart with my essence um i find that i i lose touch with my aliveness so you know poetry is a way for me um to stay in touch with that aliveness and we have just a minute left on the program and if you're willing I'd like to ask you um, for a closing poem okay here's a closing poem and you know I said at the beginning of the interview that the first poem I ever wrote was watching a girl skate so this isn't that poem but it's another I was thinking about that about 15 years ago and this is the poem it's called poetry um, she skates boldly onto the page tips one vulnerable foot back and forth slowly till finally the edge of a toe cuts a simple sharp line through the world's cold resistance and with that plain courage and with that plain courage a statement of intention begins and you can't turn back any longer from the weight of feeling and letting go into the flow that follows poetry is a choice to feel it all not all at once but gradually to sink down within ourselves to give what fear we hold behind our knees to gravity and grace, to discover what makes our whole world turn, the place our necessary weight lifts to lightened joy. Mm. That is the most exquisite poem, John. Is that one published? I have this little book of poems called um, "The Only Gift to Bring." I forgot, and it's mm. it's not like you can you can buy the, you can't buy the book if you make a donation to the Institute for Poetic Medicine. You receive it as a gift, but that poem is in that little chapbook of poems. Oh, it's lovely, and I'm I'm glad that people can have access to it. I, and I, I especially well, there are many lines that I like, but I like the part about releasing the fear behind our knees. That is just <laughs> it, it. It really is is so gravity to gravity and great. <laughs> yeah, it's so beautiful, and 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 seeing that freedom that can come uh, with releasing fear. Thank you so much, uh, John Fox, for joining me and our listeners on the Yoga Hour this morning. I want to remind listeners that uh, John is the founder of the Institute of Poetic Medicine. And uh, you can find out more about John's work about the Institute um, at his website, which is poeticmedicine.org. And he is the author of um, several books, the one that we're drawing from and celebrating today for its continuous publication for 20 years is Poetic Medicine, the Healing Art of Poem Making. And uh, if you'd like to find out more about the new book of poems that I have just released, The Moon Reminded Me, you can go to Ellen Grace O'Brien, that's O-B-R-I-A-N dot com, and you'll find out about that book there. And I just want to remind you that the Yoga 
Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation uh, center in the Kriya Yoga tradition um, where programs are offered, how to meditate, um, and uh, how to live a spiritually conscious life. So you can find out more about CSE, Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, by visiting csecenter.org, csecenter.org. And uh, remember to tell your friends about the Yoga Hour. It's a free podcast. You can subscribe at iTunes or Stitcher. And I want to thank our Yoga Hour team who are constantly working behind the scenes, um, our producer and regular guest host, Dr. Laura Trujillo, assistant producers Nita Kenyon, Anne Hayes, and Sean Smith, and, of course, Jeff Comfort there at Unity Online Radio in the sound uh, room who is always there to support. I look forward to being with you again. Until then, uh, remember to let your inner light shine into the world. Share your peace and your joy with all that you meet. Thanks again, John. It was great to talk with you this morning. You're welcome. Thank you, Ellen. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. Somewhere, tucked away in the Unity Library archives in Unity Village, Missouri, you can find a secret treasure. They are the scripts from Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore's early days on broadcast radio, the teachings of Unity's founders, almost a 100 years old. Now, for the first time in history, you can hear them through the power of the Internet. Join Bob Brock every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, For Unity Classic Radio, words from our past. Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore's talks and of other Unity Radio speakers read on the air again. Call in your comments and questions as Bob and his special guests revisit Unity Radio talks of the past, along with historical background from the early days of the Unity movement. That's Unity Classic Radio, words from our past, every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, Right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. As human beings, we have been granted quite a bit of power. One of the greatest powers that we have is the power of choice. We can choose to react to situations and to people in any way that we like, and it has tremendous effect on our lives and our world. There is a spiritual law that states, thoughts held in mind will produce after their kind. Simply put, our thoughts can create our worlds. And it's quite possible to change the total direction of our lives by simply changing the way we think, by choosing to see life differently. If you're unhappy with the direction your life is headed, remember, you can change it. You've been given the power of choice. Learn how to choose it wisely. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. Are you ready to live in joy? Is there an area of your life where you could use a miracle? Have you been praying for help and guidance? Come join Lisa and Bill and their guests for an hour filled with practical tips on experiencing miracles, greater abundance, 
focused, deliberate living, and the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Experience more joy in life. Listen to Living in Joy, Reflections on A Course in Miracles, with Lisa Natoli and Bill Free, every Friday at 2 p.m. Central, here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA Unity ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash divine 2022 